Welcome to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week. We've got a fantastic program in store from you. It's like jam, jam packed. Actually, it's barbecue sauce lathered thick packed because we've got Prairie Dog on the menu. We've got Watford City on the menu. We've got ribs. We've got chicken. We got the oil field refinery. We got all kinds of stuff on today's menu. So let's quit with the puns and the awful attempts at jokes I'm trying here. And let's get back to the program. My name is Jason Spies. I'm afraid to admit that after what I just got done trying to do there in the beginning of this Week in Review program. You know, Week in Review, we like to kick back a little bit. All right, what do we got on today's program? William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. They got some fantastic uh, victories this week. I hate to say victory because it's not a win-loss thing, but I tell you, when your livelihood is on the line and a bunch of jobs and trying to get American independence, we call it a victory, I guess, because another validation of their science that the refinery is clean, it's above board, it cites all the parameters needed, and now the Public Service Commission has uh, now had to rescind or admit or a judge ruled, I guess it was, that the Public Service Commission doesn't uh, be able to cite on something under 50000 Uh We'll get into that a little bit later in the program. So anyway, congratulations to Meridian Energy Group, the Davis Refinery. William Prentice, a little bit later in the program. Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin with the Bakken Barbecue. Give us a seventh update. Give us a, an update on the seventh annual Bakken Barbecue. See how relaxed we are? It's too relaxed. The seventh annual Bakken Barbecue coming June 14th to Dickinson, North Dakota. And Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue, a little bit later in the program to tell us the details. And then Vonita Best with the city of Watford discusses the 274% growth that happened in Watford City and uh, their need for housing, workforce competition, new businesses, educational services, et cetera, et cetera. And she also discusses the Prairie Dog Bill, uh, which is going to be very beneficial to the cities out there, the oil and gas producing counties, but is it just a start? Are we going to need to look at it a little bit closer to see if maybe there's uh, some uh, niche micro communities within the Prairie Dog Bill that maybe should be looked at as well? Talk about that and much, much more today on the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, and let's get right into William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. Zoning people, I've talked to Billings County commissioners, I've talked to local residents, and everybody seems to be moving ahead. And then all of a sudden you get someone in South Carolina that's got a problem and we got to do something about it. Are you guys just about fed up or what? <laughs> I guess is probably my question. Um, anyway. Well, you know, we get these stories once in a while and, you know, people are out there looking for things to report about. And so when somebody files another appeal or something like that or expresses a concern, uh, people are people know that there's an interest in hearing about the Davis refinery, so you'll get a story. Um, I kind of look at it as an opportunity to tell our side again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get kind of tired of going over the same points all the time, uh, especially when it's, you know, it, it, like a, this recent appeal on the air quality permit. Um, you know, we get frustrated by that, and I just wonder why, you know, the same set of facts needs to be looked at over and over and over again. But again, you know, it's another opportunity for us to brag about how clean this refinery is. 
uh, it just recently came up that, you know, somebody was very concerned about air pollution at, at the park. And, you know, I nobody paid attention when we brought this up the first time a couple of years ago, but it's very simple to run the numbers and determine that air pollution from the, you know, 700,000 or so cars that visit the TR National Park every year, that air pollution is by far greater than the air pollution that will be caused by the refinery. Um, people are astonished to hear that, but it, it gives us an opportunity to put it in perspective that, yes, this is a brand new kind of refinery, and it does not emit even one-tenth of the emissions of any other refinery in the country on a per-barrel capacity basis. Um, it's more like the amount of pollution from uh, seven or eight uh, uh, pump jacks out in the oil field. Uh, it's just a very clean plant, and uh, we can prove that it's that clean. I'll tell you, I think the oil and gas is in a very unique position right now in, in the timeline of everything because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, the oil and gas industry has been in a tough position because they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They're one of the kings of the economy. And so the big guy always gets picked on if they're trying to do good or whatever. And so um, the way the <clears throat> the way environmentalism has gone, the, the, the drive behind it is I feel so confident in saying it's now gotten to a religious status to where you have enough people blindly following it without really giving any depth of thought behind it to where you actually at that. Remember the Dapple protest? There was rubber bullets fired and the um, the old veterans got on the other side. So you got, you know, m military type environments. So the, the, the holy war drums are beaten type thing. So when I look at it, though. The reason I say it's become like a blind a blind type following is a lot of these protesters are not actually trying to help the planet. They're just pointing fingers and <clears throat> pointing at problems and, you know, drinking Keurig coffees and texting on their iPhones and driving their electric cars. Electric cars are powered by coal. iPhones take about 28 rare minerals that, you know, that mining on the earth is not, you know, that type of thing. So... The whole new wave of environmentalism is based on just ridiculousness, in my opinion, to where I think the oil and gas industry has a great opportunity right now to say, we're the only ones saving the planet. We're the only ones trying to help the planet because everyone else is just pointing fingers and not doing anything about it. So I, 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 like, I love what you guys are doing because this is one of those examples of here's the oil and gas industry truly saving the planet. Because you know as well as I do, what's going to happen is this is going to have a reverse ripple effect, and you're going to see a lot of refineries over time, say over the next 10 years, implementing roots and seeds of your guys' technology into their plants. Am, am I out of line for saying that, or is that kind of what you see? You've been in this business a long time, and they constantly seem about self-correction in my mind. Well, you know, I... Yeah, I've been in the energy business my entire career, and I've not always been proud of the facilities I've worked on. And that was part of what I wanted to accomplish here at Meridian and, and the rest of my colleagues here. We want to do this in, in the right way, and, and we consider ourselves uh, missionaries, if you will, that you can take the, the uh, 
conventional energy business and make it green. Um, you know, it's one thing to be in here swinging and trying to make things happen that are that are going to clean things up, and it'd be nice to get some advice and help once in a while. And then, like you point out, you know, you get a lot of people that observe what we're doing and then jump in their SUV to drive to a meeting to call us a bunch of criminals for building a refinery. Um, you know, it just, it, it lacks credibility. And I think a lot of the people that we are hearing from as opponents are somewhat hypocritical. It's been my view, looking at what we're going to do to change this industry, that if you are an environmentalist and you do not support this refinery, you're a hypocrite. Uh, we're going to be making it necessary by, by building this plant. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To check out the full-length interview or listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life has a social media network of over 350,000 followers. We'd love for you to be one of them. Go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab, and check out the entire Facebook uh, network and the YouTubes and the Twitters and the tweets and all kinds of different things. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life Week in Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. And your baby blue eyes. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us this week here on the Crude Life Week in Review. Coming up next, Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkins, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. Tiffany Steiner, co-founder of Bakken Barbecue. Jackie Jenkins, co-founder of Bakken Barbecue. And we are getting less than a month away from the big Bakken Barbecue, the seventh annual Bakken Barbecue Flag Day, June 14th. What time does it start? It starts at 4 p.m. on June 14th. Okay, 4 p.m., June 14th in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, talk to us a little bit about this. Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkins with us, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. Uh, let's start off with just maybe some of those details up front that people probably want to know right off the bat. Well, our event, like you said, is June 14th at the Dickinson Ice Rink parking lot. Opens to the public at 4 p.m. And the event goes to 11. We have live music brought to us by Sawdust. I remember Sawdust. They were there last year. Yeah, they didn't get to play all night because... We got rained out. Well, that's the one thing. Weather does permit at times, but I remember the one year when the hurricane came and the tornado came and everybody moved inside and it was still a blast. Oh, we had so much fun because of it. So that is something to let people know. Hopefully Mother Nature doesn't ruin the event, but we will move inside. The party still will go on. We'll still do raffle music, live music. Um, So it looks like it might rain. Let's knock on wood. 
um, but the party will still go on inside. And that's the one nice thing about this event is that rain or shine, it goes on. And you know how weather is in western North Dakota, rain or shine can be in the same hour. So it kind of can pop back and forth. And and I, I anyway, we're not going to uh, d- divulge too much or dwell too much time on, on the past here, but... Uh, it does continue on. Sawdust is playing. And this year you guys are doing a couple things different than previous years. Talk to me a little bit about that. So our one big thing is judging this year. We kind of changed around judging. I've taken the lead on that um, along with uh, Hope, our accountant for our Bakken Barbecue. The judging is secret, so only Hope and I know who the selected judges are. Judging will be done right before the event starts and we're going to keep it a secret as to whose food they're eating and then the ju- the judges will determine at that point who's the winner and then the uh, now, excuse me the winners will be announced at nine o'clock so we're trying to keep our judging um we're trying to get more professional with our judging uh, trying to get I- more professional with the judging okay all right so it's going to change a little bit this year is there um how about the raffles and, and the spot and the silent auctions and everything? I thought we, if my memory serves me, uh, no silent auction this year in lieu of some bigger prizes in the raffle. That's correct. Okay. Uh, this year we're going away from the silent auction and we are going toward a live auction. Uh, we're going to have about eight, 10 items and we will be doing this at eight o'clock for the public. And we have a live auctioneer there and they will be auctioning off items We've got some pretty good, great prizes lined up. It's something you just don't want to miss. Um, and something that, you know, just supports our event and also supports Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish North Dakota is the, of course, the, the, the nonprofit, the sponsor, the recipient of the goodwill from the energy event here, the Bakken Barbecue. Uh, Make-A-Wish has been, for the last, what, four, five, six years, they've been involved with this, being the seventh annual uh, talk to me a little bit about Make-A-Wish because, you know, in the first few years, you know, it was kind of spread around or there were some different things tried. You know, you mentioned the silent auction just went away from that. So Make-A-Wish has, has kind of been cemented in for the last at least five years, it seems, as the um, nonprofit of choice or the benefactor of choice, so to speak. Yeah, we it has been. This will be the fifth year that we've chosen Make-A-Wish North Dakota. I think the biggest thing with Make-A-Wish is that we are able to help children in Southwest North Dakota. So we are truly affecting our community, the people that we see every day that, you know, our neighbors are the one down the street. Or So I think that's the greatest thing that we can do is help our own people in our towns. And also we are able to, you know, meet the children and give them their wish and everything like that. Um, so it's something exciting, and we truly love working with everyone at Make-A-Wish North Dakota. Looking at some of the prizes, some of the, I guess, things that are going to be on the raffle this year. It looks like a 2019 Razor 900, a Ranger XP 900. Uh, is this is this still the case? Because I, I think this is probably from a, about a month ago I got this advertisement here. But are you guys still looking at g- giving these things away? Yep, so our grand prize is uh, the winner gets a choice of a Razor or a Ranger 900. Okay, okay. And then um, our second prize is a gun. Uh, third prize is $1,000 cash. Fourth prize is two Viking tickets at the U.S. Stadium. 
and $250 in uh, cash, which will help travel or with travel expenses, a Traeger, a Yeti cooler, and a $100 worship shop gift certificate, twins tickets, Deadwood Lodge getaway, Medora package, and then our 10th prize is a $250 cash prize. I love the Deadwood Lodge. I used to go there uh, every year around uh, New Year's time for about four or five years. Love it. Love it there in the wintertime. Yeah, and, that was a lot of fun, so we're excited to give that out. And sponsors. Let's talk about your sponsors you guys have. I imagine you're still looking for sponsors because I think you can take sponsors up till the uh, banner gets printed, and then even you'll take sponsors the day of because at that point they're donations. Yeah, and so uh, that, that is are, one thing, too. Like, the, the proceeds of this go right to Make-A-Wish. There's, like, yeah. yeah, okay. So the cool thing is we changed up our levels this year, and we decided because we wanted to get a razor, we moved up um, our top level to 5000 So we have a lot of great companies that decided they were going to step up and be the $5,000 sponsors, JRA Rentals, Wyoming Casing, Renegade Services, Lean Drilling, and ND Energy Services. So we couldn't thank them enough because without them, we can't, you know, our event is not possible. And then we also have um, a $3,500 level, and KLX Energy and Summit ESP has stepped up and done that too. So we have so many great companies that have given to us and yeah we always are looking for more sponsors i know we have till the end of this month if you want to get on the back of the shirts but if you sponsor after june you will still be able to be on social media and all that at the event it just would not be on the shirts things with printing timelines and <laughs> deadlines yeah, yeah. uh how so about do everything the... possible for the sponsors if they miss that shirt deadline um but we truly appreciate all the local companies and everything because we could not do this event without them. Yeah, a lot of those local companies really step up for this, you know, from from the porta potties to the, you know, I mean, I think Mavericks was ha even doing drinks there one year, you know, even that type of thing to step up and really make it a complete community event. Really, I mean, I, I mean, how many how many thousands of people come every year? Well, we've estimated last year over 2,000, so it's hard to estimate the kids. That's where we don't quite know because they don't pay to get in. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping to get over, we're hoping to break kind of a record in every area. So far, we've broken the record in amount of companies cooking. We have 23, and last year we only had 16. So we still have, I think, three more spots open um, if a company would like to participate, but that's really exciting. Possibly four spots. Um, but so far companies have been wonderful calling us, getting a spot and they're really excited as well. I know we haven't heard a single peep out of what anyone is making for their menu. Haven't heard anything yet. Okay. In the past, of course, ribs, chicken, brisket, but we've seen things like lobster. I didn't, didn't wasn't there an alligator or something, some kind of wild game one year or something like that. I'm not sure, but it does not surprise me. I know everyone goes above and beyond for cooking, and they truly enjoy it. The thing that I really enjoy about this event is, you know, you pay you pay a cover charge to get in, which goes to make a wish, and then after that, every single booth that you go to. 
if you were to go to a barbecue restaurant, it would be a 10 to 15 to a $20 plate of sample food they just give you. And so the person who likes to really stretch their buck and then try to, you know, feel like they're getting a good deal, boy, this is right up their alley. I know. You can't go out to eat and spend 20 bucks and get all this food. I mean, truly, I would be very impressed if you had food from every company this year. Well, not only that, but it's the side dishes, it's the desserts, it's the it's the full menu. It's the full menu that is provided from cornbread to beans to to coleslaws to different salads to uh, there's usually some sort of uh, like I said desserts from brownies to fruit cups. Cakes and I know another company does cotton candy and snow cones and that was Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkin with the Bakken Barbecue. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spees and this is the Crude Life We Can Review. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. From apartment to apartment, state to state, and it doesn't really matter where I go. There's only one place I could call my home. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Vanita Best with the city of Watford City. Uh, Vanita Best, uh, Community of Watford City, Community Development Director. Thank you very much for joining the program today. Watford City, we've had Daniel Stenberg on a number of different times. Gene Veter in the past as well. A number of different McKenzie County officials. And just to kind of set the stage a little bit, I like to do this for Watford City. Talk to me a little bit about the growth. I, I The numbers always escape me, but isn't it like 1,500 to 8,000 people in the course of like five years or something like that? Yeah, so Jason, in 2010, when the U.S. Census was conducted, we were at uh, 1744, and today it's estimated that based on um, services to the city, we're right around 8,000. With the 2020 Census coming up, we're expecting to complete count all those folks. We're going to work real hard to do so, so we have an accurate number. But when we talk about percentage growth, we're at about 274% growth from 2010 till today. So your job is kind of created because of that growth, is my 
would be my guess. I don't know that for a fact, but a community development director. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the interview started that that is somebody primarily creates communities around different scales of economy in different communities. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what that title is and was it created because of the, the absolute rapid growth that happened in Watford? I think partially it was uh, born out of that. And so Jean Veter for a long time had been Watford City, McKinsey County Economic Development Director. Um, when he moved into his seat on the McKinsey County Commission, um, Daniel Stenberg stepped into that role. And then two years later, I think due uh, partially or a lot, primarily to our rapid growth, we needed more capacity in that area. So I came on board in January um, with the city of Watford City. And um, yeah, 274% growth. And when you look traditionally at what um, economic development does, Watford City has plenty of economy, but it's really important in attracting skilled workforce to build a community around that economy so you're competitive and the operators here are competitive when they're recruiting talent. I know that's a big issue in Watford City, primarily Watford City. It isn't the Bakken, but primarily in Watford City is workforce and housing. Talk to me a little bit about what you're doing or I'm sure you're involved at least in meetings when it comes to workforce development and housing, how those kind of bridge together. Yeah, so two really exciting and unique um, programs that are going on in the community. Um, the Skills Initiative was born several years back. So Watford City is the largest community in North Dakota that does not have a community college. Um, but what we do have is a state-of-the-art Rough Rider Center, and that Rough Rider Center houses um, a multitude of entities that work with um, scaling up the workforce. So TrainND, uh, Williston State College, the University of Mary, they all come down and they offer um, classes that facilitate the industry needs in skilling up their workforce and also community education as well. That's been a non-traditional, non-brick-and-mortar focused um, post-K-12 education uh, um, model, and I think it's working really well. The, the Skills Initiative um, Committee gets together quarterly to discuss needs, um, workforce needs, and so that is one way we've addressed um, the needs of skilled workforce in our community locally. Um, in terms of housing, we do have a critical housing shortage here, and we're looking at some non-traditional ways to address that. Um, our Job Development Authority uh, board has requested um, a program which helps single-family housing builders uh, buy down the cost of infrastructure on housing. So we do have housing that is expected to come online later this year that meets the first-time home buyer um, cap. There's a cap on those who qualify for first-time home buyers, and right now we just have a difficulty um, meeting that number. So that program will be. Um, piloted in 2018, we hope that will bring some additional single-family housing on inventory. Uh, so certainly, we're aware of our challenges. We're working really hard to address those. Um, 
and I'm not sure if you know this or not, and I'm not sure if it'll air in time to hit this date, but uh, we do have the governor and his team coming out next Thursday, uh, May 23rd, and I suspect the housing issue will be one we discuss um, with his team when they're here as well. Speaking of the governor, I wanted to ask you about that prairie dog bill. I'm not sure if you're involved with that, but I know that I believe I should say they distributed some monies or got some some sort of monies through the state legislature, which is a done deal that they got this. So uh, were you involved with that? Do you did you get a briefing as far as uh, where that money is going to be directed? Because I'm sure that has to do with community development, too. And I know Watford City was one of those communities involved. Yes, so um, both our Watford City team and our McKinsey County team together collaborated on how we would communicate um, our local needs to the legislative body. And the way we look at our community, um, and I'm sure you've maybe heard this, but we remind people frequently, 20% of North Dakota's revenue, um, I'm sure you've heard this, half of the state's revenue comes from oil and gas tax. 40% of that oil is produced in McKinsey County. So McKinsey County, Watford City, they um, generate 20% of the state's revenue. Uh, We're acutely aware of that. And so the thing that we like to remind people is this is an investment in North Dakota's future. Investment in Watford City and McKinsey County is an investment in North Dakota's future. I think it's more than that. I, I, I think it's I think it's a great example of uh, mob rules. I mean, you know, I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, it's what you just said is true. A big lion's share of the oil and gas activity and development comes from that particular area. But because the population is elsewhere in the rest of the state, they've been ignored for a long time. And that that's yeah. what I mean by mob rules. It's one of those ugly sides of democracy where really democracy is just 50, 51%. And this, this is one of those cases. So I'm glad to see that it's starting to get ironed out a little bit because over on the East, you, I don't know how much you travel on the East, but it's, it's still, they're, they're still pretty out of touch with how involved the industry, the oil and gas industry is with the rest of the state. I mean, I'm not even talking about from the state legislature distributed money, just from, you know, companies from the east side, whether it be Grand Forks or Minot or uh, Fargo, sending people out to McKinsey County, sending people out to Williams County and even Billings County for that. Billings County doesn't even have a thousand people that live there, and they probably got more workers there on a daily basis than people that live there. So I'm glad to see that. Were you guys happy with this? Is this a good step? Do you guys, I mean, Talk to me a little bit about that, and you can you know you can sidebar on my east west comment a little bit, but I don't want to get into the Hatfield McCoy part of it. I was just glad to see that the east is starting to understand that my goodness, half of the revenue comes from the oil and gas industry. Yeah, so um, so we and and I did actually listen to your podcast. I'm not sure when it was hosted, but I listened to it a few days ago, and it was when you had Brent Bogar on highlighting. Oh, sure highlighting the tax distribution report, um, the oil and gas tax distribution report. So we are very pragmatic when we talk about how the oil and gas industry is taxed in North Dakota. Um, 
in the early 1980s, the extraction tax was implemented. That's a 5% tax. That is the state's tax. That is their tax that's designated to general fund, to education, and to water resources. That's the state's tax. So the gross production tax, historically, was enacted by the legislature in the early 1950s as after the um, Clarence Iverson well was produced in Williams County and the Ben Homer um, well was produced in McKinsey County. So at that time, the legislature said, you know what, we want systematic approaches to um, oil and gas development in North Dakota. So we are going to remove county's ability to assess property tax on oil and gas. And in lieu of that, you will receive a production tax, a gross production tax. So as you know, um, what our focus was in Watford City and McKinsey County is we are, we're currently at 30% of the gross production tax. And there's some other things that come off the top, like the 30% legacy. And then there's some other funding that comes off the top. But when they talk about um, local impact in lieu of property tax, share of the taxes. Bonita Best, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Bonita Best with the City of Watford. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Come falling down on me Every time I roll back to town Every time I roll back around Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. You can run from the wintertime in the midnight black. Cold coming up behind you, teeth in your neck. On the road like the fingers of a ghost. Wind is crying through a crack in the window. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us here on the Crude Life Week in Review. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Vanita Best with the City of Watford. One of our priority pieces legislatively was to maintain the 30% um, redistribution. And we were successful in doing that. And the reason we were successful in doing that is because we were prepared. We knew the numbers. We knew the capital improvement projects that were needed to produce an efficient, sustainable um, infrastructure um, and also communities in western North Dakota um, because we knew and we understand that there are two pieces that will restrict um, this resource harvesting, one is natural gas takeaway, so we need continued investment in that infrastructure, and secondly, employees. 
Um, industry is signaling that if they cannot attain or recruit skilled employees to North Dakota, that will be a restriction on the harvest. So um, we felt like the legislative session went well for us. Um, and we knew the reason that we were successful is because we understood what our future needs are and we were able to communicate those so we every other year we will keep um explaining our current status and our our future projections and keep you know communicating that to the legislature we would love to see many many more legislators visit um watford city and mckinsey county and if they ever uh ring our phones either myself or daniel stenberg we would be happy to show them around I just think some of the numbers that have come out in the last couple of years have become so eye-opening to hear anybody try to, I guess, I don't know, spin it or demonize it or ignore it is is amazing to me because there's, I, I get it when you, there's some things that are debatable and then there's some things that are just, it's it's beyond debatable. It's okay, guys, this is this is really top heavy here. I mean, we don't even get into... A lot of the things that I talk about on the program, which is the oil and gas companies not only pay their lion's share in extraction taxes, production taxes, and fees, and regulation costs, and everything else, sales tax, but they seem to have enough money left over for the local baseball team that needs uniforms, and they seem to have enough money left over for the church sale that needs thousand bucks for the bake sale, and that sort of thing. I mean, they just—that's the part that they just continue to keep that essence of capitalism and community alive. Whereas I don't see that from a lot of other industries. Um, do, do you want to comment on that? Cause I, I think I, I, it's, it's opinion by me, but at the same time, again, I don't see that from a lot of other industries. Yeah. So last week I had the opportunity to travel down to Oklahoma city. Oh, good. That was my next question, by the way, was okay. the IOGCC. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a two for one in here. Perfect. Perfect. So opportunity to participate in a panel discussion on um, shale development impacts on rural communities in America. And that was one of the things that we visited a fair amount about is, and, and I will say, I think that in North Dakota, we're positioned better than some other states in the way that they direct public dollars to impacted areas. I'm not, I'm not saying we couldn't focus on doing better, but there certainly um, are other states that are, are not getting their dollars redirected. Um, and it does impact the efficiency of companies doing business overall. But one of the things that we visited about was how there is not enough public dollars to build the community needed for the millennial workforce. Um, when they're skilled, they have options, they have expectations, and so your community has got to be attractive to them. You have to have quality schools, you have to have uh, great little league teams, you have to have recreational opportunities and access um, because the whole family is making this decision together on where to locate. So we visited a fair amount at IOGCC about um, being really thoughtful on um, foundation activities and um, community giving programs and how to communicate those and sync those up with the local government agencies or the local governments on how to best create um, attractive, attractive livable communities. Um, 
But to your point on the oil and gas industry being very, very good community partners, um, we visited about that a week ago, and I've had a lot of outreach already, people really wanting to make sure, and companies make sure, that where they're putting those um, donation dollars, that they are gifts, they are gifts to communities. Where those are going is, you know, in sync with what where public dollars are going as well. Um, so this can, morning, can, we I, were, can I ask you to just elaborate that a little bit? Because I'm, I, I think I'm following you on that, but they're they're kind of doing an audit, if you will. <laughs> is, is is that what I kind of heard? That the energy companies want to ensure that the donations are trickling down to the places that they're supposed to. Well, so I'll give you an example. I wouldn't call it an audit. I just think that sometimes maybe the requests aren't being made maybe the future plans aren't being communicated by the local communities. And so as soon as the companies realize that there's a need and there's an opportunity to be part of the solution, they are happy and willing to step up to help solve community problems. So the McKinsey County healthcare system um, was in an extremely aging and woefully inadequate hospital. It served the needs of a 1,700-person community. It did not serve the needs of an 8,000-person community. And so um, I would say six, six to eight years ago, the Benefit Fund Board of the McKinsey County Healthcare System started their capital campaign fundraising, and the operators here have been incredibly, incredibly generous. Um, the best thing I could do is... is give you the, I mean, it's mckinseycountyhealth.com. And that was Vanita Best with the City of Watford. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We also have a social media network of over 350,000 energy enthusiasts. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and the YouTubes. All of that is located at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. That's going to do it this week. We'd like to thank William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, as well as Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkins, the co-founders of the Bach and Barbecue. Of course, the Bach and Barbecue, June 14th, Dickinson, North Dakota, the 7th Annual Bach and Barbecue. And Vanita Best with the City of Watford. Thank you very much for joining today's program. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And for those of you streaming us on the Internet or perhaps downloading one of our podcasts on iTunes or the other podcast platforms we're on, Thank you very much for choosing us as part of your content. We know there's a million people out there doing a million different types of content. I've said it before, my neighbor's dog's cat is now doing a podcast that's ranked higher than ours. So, I mean, and it's really good. That's the thing about it. You know, these radio programs essentially become podcasts, and then, you know, we're competing with everybody else out there, including the neighbor's dog's cat, which... I don't know how those animal videos and podcasts just do but I mean he just meows. He meows, but he gets better ratings than everybody else except Joe Rogan, I guess. Alright, that's gonna do it, folks. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spees asking you to keep calm and frack on. First full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. 
innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 